Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome, friends. This is the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and you're listening in to episode 79, Connecting Kids to Jesus in the Busyness of Life. Did you ever hear a child eagerly exclaim, watch this, or look at me? You know that this is their way of saying, I want and need you to notice me. But how in the world, in this fast-paced culture that pulls us in every which way direction, do we take the time to not only notice the kids in our lives, but also connect them to Jesus? Our guest today, Josh Straub, co-author of the Famous at Home book and podcast, talks about prioritizing our time with the Lord and gives us some practical tips to help our kids do the same. After Corey's interview with Josh, don't forget to go to our website, bibletoschool.com, to find the show notes and get the resources we talk about today. If you haven't already added Famous at Home to your Amazon or Audible list, you'll want to do that today. Josh and his wife also have some great kids' books that walk them through emotions, including the newly released Family Easter devotional called 10 Days of the Easter Story, a family experience through the feelings of Holy Week. Have you been encouraged by the guests we've invited to the You Can Tell the Children podcast? We would love to hear your feedback so we can continue to offer helpful material. You can contact us by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages, and you can also go to the Contact Us tab on our website. We would just love to hear from you. While you're there, tell us your tips and tricks for connecting kids to Jesus. So without further ado, are you ready to hear how to connect kids to Jesus amidst your busy schedule? I'm so excited to hop on over with you to listen to Josh and Corey's conversation now. Well, hi, Josh. So good to have you today. You can tell the children. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Wow. Our listeners are in for a treat today because you have a lot of things going and a lot of really good quotes and resources for people who want to learn more about how to connect kids to Jesus in, in, this, in a busy, busy life, because we all have busy lives, right? Yes, yes. So, but before we do that, like, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for having me. It's, uh, it's always an honor to do this with like-minded people and we're in it. So we have uh, my wife, Christy and I, we've been married for 13 years and we have three kids. We have a 10-year-old son, an eight-year-old daughter, and then a two and a half-year-old son. We kind of have that age gap there, which is it's a lot of fun keeping us young uh, with a two and a half year old. We lead a ministry called Famous at Home. And uh, really what it comes down to is really helping families to see the emotional and spiritual health component to, to helping disciple kids and the power that that comes into play. I, Peter Scazzaro, a number of years ago, wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Church. And in it, he describes that you can only be as spiritually mature as you are emotionally mature. And the whole idea that those two go hand in hand, that if you're growing spiritually, you're going to be growing emotionally. And and we have seen that and and, and we've seen a gap in culture, right? I mean, in terms of just increasing anxiety and depression and and, and so on and so forth. 
and just really understanding the power of emotions. Cause a lot of us as adults weren't taught emotion and, and how to even label emotion or talk about emotion very well. And so we aren't fully equipped in our generation. I don't feel like to really uh, apply that to, to our kids. And so that's really what our heart is, is to help people learn the power of being famous at home, that, that we already are famous at home. Our tagline is the greatest red carpet you'll ever walk is through your front door. I love that. So many of us are chasing things outside the home that we tend to give our leftovers in the home. And, uh, and our heart is to say, hey, when you, when you prioritize your home, when you prioritize those biggest fans under your roof, everything else will fall into place. And we've seen it over and over again. And that's our heart. Well, you have a growing business. You coach people. You have a podcast, which, is, which I really enjoy. And you're co-authoring books. How do you and Christy intentionally make sure your family stays, like I heard you say already, center stage? How do you yeah. make sure that happens? Great question. Yeah. I mean, we want to make sure we're living our message. And so no has become one of our favorite words. It's, a, <laughs> it's actually a complete sentence. People ask you to do things and we have filters through which we say yes to certain things. And every yes is somebody else's no. And so you have to really pay attention to what are you prioritizing? And and we, in, in our book, Famous at Home, and one of the ways that we coach families is you have to have a set of values. You have to know the direction that your family is heading in in order to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And, and, and that's a, that's a big component of it. So we really prioritize the rhythms of our home. I, I'm talking about two different things here and we can set this up, but I'm talking about values, having a set of values as a family, but then also identifying your rhythms. And we are really intentional about defending the rhythm of our home. And so we have, I mean, I can get into specifics on that, but we have every day of the week named in our home so that our kids know what every single day is going to be and, and what, what we're prioritizing and what's upcoming. Like what? That, that sounds cool. Yeah. So, so for example, like our week always starts with rest. So we practice the Sabbath on Saturday just because Sunday we're usually at church. We're usually serving at church. It just doesn't, it's not usually restful by the time you get three kids ready for church, you go serve at church and you get home, you're usually just wiped. So we, we really rest. And, and so Sabbath uh, is our Saturday ramp up Sunday is uh, Sunday. So on Sundays, we get home from church and we're ramping up for the week. So we're going over our schedules. We are as a whole team, as a family team, we're cleaning the house. Each person has their own job in terms of what they're doing, whether they're vacuuming or dusting or cleaning toilets or whatever it looks like. And we just get together as a team and we just ramp on up for the week ahead. Monday is motivating Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If you look at a bell curve, we have tough Tuesday and meeting Wednesday. And so Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are kind of like the height of just heavy, heavy work days. And so tough Tuesday, usually if I'm doing any type of uh, meetings or things like that, or I have to work late, it's usually Tuesday or Wednesday by Thursday. Uh, and our kids know too, like, you know, with schooling and everything else, it, those are really heavy days. Come down Thursday, uh, we have what's called throwback Thursday, throwing back to what's important. So usually Thursday nights are, are our date night, uh, Christy and I's date night. Our sitter usually comes who our kids absolutely love and they have their own little date night with her. And then Friday is, is we're, we're coming down off of that, that heavy week and we have a Shabbat dinner on Friday night and uh, just really uh, adhere to that Friday night rhythm that Jewish culture has from a Friday night sundown to Saturday sundown and just really prioritize that rest. But Fridays are usually a lighter day. We're finishing up work. We're finishing up those types of things. We call them fun Fridays just because by the end of the day, we're, we're having a lot of fun. We're, we're making our dinners together, that type of thing. So every day is named. We have these rhythms in place so that our kids have an understanding of what's coming. They have an expectation of what's coming. And of course, the rhythm sometimes will get thrown off if I'm traveling for the weekend right. or I'm speaking or things like that. But we always are trying to do everything we can to defend that rhythm 
and, and giving our kids an expectation of what's ahead. I love that because even with that rhythm, it is busy and you yeah. have to be, I mean, we're going to talk about being intentional. How do you make room for spiritual growth in your family of five? Because I, I have three yeah. children as well. And it was a really a, a struggle sometimes because of yeah. the busyness, even, you know, practices and the, um, you know, school thing, projects and things like that. How do you make room for spiritual growth? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. And and I think it's it's always an ebb and a flow. I think it starts by for those who are single parents uh, listening, you know, or solo parents, I just want to um, honor you for a second because it, it's even more difficult. My first thing is, is that Christy and I fight for each other to get time alone. And if you don't have that, I just really encourage you to seek help, to seek trusted people around you to give you time to be able to show up as the best version of yourself in whatever that way that can look like. Even if you just say, hey, could you come watch the kids for an hour while I go to the coffee shop and just take a break? Like we need to be prioritizing our own spiritual growth because that is what links back to healthy kids is who we're becoming as adults. And so we've really got to prioritize that. For me, my alarm goes off every morning at 530. There's a lot of times where it doesn't even go off anymore just because I'm, I'm up before it. But I had to set that. I had to get to a point where it didn't matter what I was doing, how late I was up the night before, I'm getting up at 5.30 and there's no excuses for me to be able to spend time with God, to do my Lectio Divina, to um, just sit. Because if I don't do it before everybody else is up, yeah. it just isn't, it, it, it's almost impossible. So you have to find the places where you can steal that time away, make that time. And also too, I mean, we've also made super important decisions recently. Like I turned my iPhone into a dumb phone. Like I've, I've got rid of email. I've got rid of social media apps. The only thing I can do on it is text and call and I still have GPS, but I, I don't carry when my phone's with me, I, I don't have anything chasing me. I don't have notifications chasing me so that I can truly be present if I'm by myself. Like I, I literally, I was traveling this past weekend and I was on a shuttle back to the airport and everyone else is like on their phone. I can't be on my phone. So I'm like looking out the window and praying. And so I think stealing time away, I think our devices are really hindering our ability to be present with God. And so whether that's television shows or screen time, things like that, I think there's ways that we can be super practical to start decreasing the time on the screen to increase our our ongoing relationship and cultivating that ongoing relationship with God. And that's new for me, by the way. I haven't done that uh, in the past. I've, mm-hmm. I've recently made that decision uh, this year. And so I'm, I'm about two months in and, and I'm telling you, it's bringing me more life than I ever would have imagined. Well, and that quiet time where you fill up God is the only way you can't pour into your children or children around you if you're not filled up. So 100%. that is, yeah. So that you're not pouring anything out if you're not getting poured into yeah. uh, and, in, and enjoying God's word with him. Yeah. So you and your wife help children understand and enjoy God's word really well. How do you do that? How do you do that each day and get God's word into them? We're a Bible to school and we love to get God's word into the hearts of children. So, well, first of all, you said we do it really well. Sometimes I question whether we're doing it really well (laughs) or not. You know, our kids are at a point where they're reading, you know, the two oldest anyway, are reading on their own. So, so they have uh, times that they are reading the Bible. Uh, we have what we have done is we've exposed them to different versions of the Bible. We've exposed them to different children's Bibles. 
and you know, done the best that we can to find the things that click for them as it relates to to bringing scripture into their home. And the other thing that we try to do, so so in other words, so like our daughter has one particular Bible she reads, and our son has another one he reads, and it's cool because they found Bibles that we don't even have to encourage them to read. That I just walk into our son's bedroom and I find him reading it. And then he comes out and asks me incredible questions that I'm like, where did you learn that? Um, (laughs) Or where did you pick that up at? So it's really cool. And there's seasons for it. Like there's times where they won't get into it. and We have to nudge them a little bit more. But I think, again, it's not that we're having specific times of the day where we're sitting down and we're saying, hey, this is when you have to read. This is how much you have to read. We're really huge on making sure that our children are receiving and digesting the scriptures in a way, in their learning style, in the way that they learn. So, you know, we're reading, we're going through the Chronicles of Narnia right now. And it's just, a, I'm, I'm reading that out loud to the kids. And one of our kids is very, uh, she's an auditory learner. So she can just listen and she picks up on it. Our son has to sit next to me and actually read the words in order to, because he just doesn't pick. So I think you have to find the ways that your family, where you're inviting your kids into the word of God. And so, for example, we have a we have an Easter devotional coming out this Easter called 10 Days of the Easter Story. And it's it's a family experience through the feelings of Holy Week. And we're really big on inviting our kids into the feelings so that that emotional and spiritual maturity are there. And so, like, for example, in this devotional, the whole point of the devotional is to walk the kids through the scriptural understanding leading up to the cross and the resurrection, but to do it in a way where we're inviting them into the biblical narrative and considering what were the people feeling in the moment when they were there. And I think when we as parents can invite our kids into that kind of narrative with the Bible and not just let them go alone and read the Bible, I think there's a place for that. But I think we as parents have to be engaged in helping them enter into really research shows that we think, feel, and relate at the same time. That True growth happens when we're thinking, feeling, and relating at the same time. We're connecting. So, so if kids are just reading or they're just digesting information, they're thinking, but they might not be, they might not be receiving all of it. If you enter into the narrative and they're feeling the narrative and they're feeling what they're reading, now you have a more a better opportunity for growth. And if you're relating to them in the moment, that is triggering every part of the brain for growth and for them to receive what it is they're reading. And so for example, I'm just using this as an example, but in that Easter devotional, we invite them into the happiness that everyone was experiencing starting on Palm Sunday. But then the very next day, people are angry. The Pharisees are angry because Jesus is angry walking into the temple and flipping over the tables. And then it leads to the anointing at Bethany and the gratitude that Mary was feeling when she anoints Jesus's feet. And then it goes to the surprise of the last supper to the sadness and the fear. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the emotions of that emotions. week alone yeah. are crazy to invite your kids into that narrative and go, what do you think you would have been standing when this happened? What do you yeah. think you would have been thinking when Jesus said this, you know, those kinds of questions invite kids into the narrative that I think are just really profound. Well, we talk a lot about trust at Bible to School. We have a lesson on Abraham and Isaac, and teaching your kids trust is really important. And so we have this experiment we do. We take a child in in the front of the room. You're talking about experiencing the feelings. We put a bag of water, Ziploc bag of water over their head. We say, do you trust me? You know, and they Ziploc bag of water over their heads. And they're like, you know, everybody in the room is going, ooh, you know, and the child's like, okay, I trust you. You're my leader. And they put a poke a pencil through the bag and very slowly all the way through. And it goes through because I was skeptical myself. 
and no water goes on the child. And this represents that the water is something we're experiencing that is uncomfortable or uncertain that will happen. And the bag is God and the pencil is us and we're in the middle of it. And this shows that you know, we abide in Christ, we can trust and his promises are true and he's surrounding us and holding us to himself and our circumstances will not saturate us, well, not make us wet. And so the child yep. never got wet. So uh, wow. it just is a pretty cool way to do it I, and trusting the Lord. So learning about it, engaging the word, but then actually doing trusting. How do you help your children to develop trust in the Lord, Josh? Oh, oh, wow. Big question. Great illustration that you guys do there. You know, I think this is one of those things. I have a, a, a prayer that I pray from a spiritual mentor of mine. It's a Jesus prayer. Part of that prayer is, Lord, help me to become a man that you can trust. Mm. And I think that it, just as with anything with our kids, it starts with us as parents. And so I think for our kids to learn to trust the Lord, a lot of the times their God representation is coming through their parents and through Us. the lens that they yeah. see their parents. Yeah. Or the, ad- the so, adults in their lives as well, yeah. aunts, uncles, and all that. Yep. That's exactly right. And I think as we become parents that they can trust, you know, and they're not going to always be able to trust us because we, we mess up as parents all of the time. But I think one of the biggest components of that is our ability to be able to seek the forgiveness of our kids when we have wronged them, when we have been irritable, when we've lashed out, when we've said things we regret, when we've lost our cool, our ability to enter into our child's world and be specific about our offense and and seek their forgiveness. And then ultimately telling them, and and I got this from a a dear friend, Jeannie Cunyon, who- I know, we know Jeannie. Yes, she's uh, wonderful. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I remember her telling us this story one time where she said that with her son, she would literally, when she wronged her son, she would actually ask her son and invite her son in to pray with her in the moment and take, like to go to the cross and say, I apologize for the way that I just treated my child. Lord, would you forgive me? And going to the Lord in prayer with your child just the supernatural power that that has to show your children, listen, we're on this journey as sons and daughters as well. And we're trusting that God forgives us when we, when we wrong others. Would you forgive me as Jesus forgives me? I think in order to build trust in the Lord, we have to help them see that they can trust us, even in our mistakes, but then also challenge them to take risks and to learn to hear from God and to see what God is saying and and to walk alongside them in those components to increase their faith that he will show up for them. That's so good. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Does God's love ever end? What a comfort we have that God's love never ends. While there are many places in scripture, we can read about God's amazing love. Check out Psalm 136. This psalm gives thanks to God and describes his great attributes. And every other line repeats, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136 is a wonderful reminder of who God is and how much he loves us. We also talk about identity with children and who they are in Christ and what the world says about them. We have the second, ours is second, third, and fourth graders. And they just want to be known and loved, Josh. That's what yeah. they want. And they might not have parents that will do that for them. But man, God sure does. And that does that sense of identity matter when it comes to being famous at home? Where does that intersect? Oh, such a fantastic question. The subtitle of our book, Famous at Home, is 
uh, seven decisions to put your family center stage in a world competing for your time, attention, and identity. And I think even we as adults are, we are chasing what ends up happening is when we don't have our identity firmly rooted in Jesus, we try to start, we start chasing our identity outside the home. And that can look like anything. It can look like, you know, getting more likes and followers on social media. It can look like trying to climb the corporate ladder. It can look like trying to earn more money, you know, reach the American dream, whatever it is that we're chasing in life. We end up putting that ahead of the little hearts and and our spouse's heart that are under our roof. That's the identity that we're chasing. And I think that begins from an early age. I think there, there's a sense where ultimately, I think it comes down to this, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think it's I think it's as simple as this. Our ability to love others is is directly proportionate to the the love that we've received from Jesus. First John says we love because he first loved us. Aww. And I think when yeah. we truly experience. Paul writes in Ephesians, I pray that you know beyond knowledge, that you know in your heart, experientially beyond head knowledge, the love of God for you. And I think when we get that, when we experience love of us, the, the chase stops. And so the more that we as parents and adults, I literally just wrote a newsletter to our email audience this week called See Me with a question mark and an exclamation point. Because what I'm realizing is that our children are constantly, our little two-year-old says, dad, see me? Dad, see me? (laughs) And, you know, our eight-year-old daughter is going, daddy, watch this, watch this. Our kids are constantly asking to be seen. And I think for kids who don't have parents or they're in your church ministry, they're in your school, wherever that is, for us to be able to see those little ones, to enter into their world and show them the love of God for them. Because I know when my life started to turn around, And I started to just feel a sense of peace and calm about who I was and where God had me was when I started to experience his love for me. And I think that's the key. That is absolutely the key. You you hit it the nail right on the head to stay to to know to be known is we what we really want. And to do that for children is just huge. It's huge. And children are all around us, even kids we don't even know. Um, if they, you just smile at them, I mean, an adult that yeah. paid attention to them and or complimented them on picking up a piece of paper and putting it in the garbage, you know, that that's huge. That's really huge. It's, it's having a yeah. positive influence on children. I have a, one more question about the there's so much in your book, uh, Famous at Home. It's it's so good. People have to have to read this. But we prepared ourselves for. I should say, how do we prepare ourselves for a, a bat, the battle of the supernatural? People are always telling me that it's hard to stay close to God. Well, the supernatural forces are always trying to pull us away from God. And so how do we prepare ourselves for this battle, Josh, and stay encouraged as we fight these really very real, I think you call them supernatural darts? Yeah, I think what we have to do is really look at the atmosphere of our home. Do an assessment. We talk about this in Famous at Home, but do an assessment on you know when you have been in someone's house and you've gone over for dinner and you leave and you get in your car and you close the door and you're like, like, I am so glad that's over. It's kind of like, I, like that was chaos. That felt chaotic. And then you've been over to people's houses before where you get in your car afterwards after having dinner with them or whatever. And you leave out this, oh, like it was just lovely. It was, I want to be, what do they have in their home? What is that? And I think the more that we can identify and take a step back and look at the atmosphere of our home, are we cultivating a spirit of peace or is there a spirit of fear? Is there a spirit of, of rush? 
uh, a spirit of hustle, a spirit of exhaustion, a spirit of busyness. I think those things tend to, because we can get into the, I think there's prayers that we need to be praying 100%. We need to be praying against the supernatural, the dark powers and principalities and everything that it's warring against us. But I also think there are decisions that we can make in the natural that help cultivate and, and praying into it, that cultivate a spirit of peace, that cultivate a spirit of, of healing, that cultivate a spirit of encouragement. And when we are busy or we have 24-hour news cycle on in the background, the spirit of fear, the spirit, the music you're listening to, the lyrics that are coming into your home, the hustle and the running from back and one thing to the next, we're inviting spiritual forces into our house and into our lives that are not uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven right. isn't going to rush you. Heaven isn't going to have fear in your home. Like the perfect love cast out fear. And so these are decisions that we can be making in the natural that actually influence the supernatural. And then I think on the flip side of that, we pray into the supernatural to bring into our home a spirit of peace and a spirit of love and a spirit of joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is cultivating a home in the fruit of the spirit. But I'm telling you, as you said, it is a battle. Uh, we've won the war, but the battle rages on and we live in a culture where we have got to be warring for ourselves. And if we're caught up in the cultural demands and the way that the culture is dividing and trying to conquer, we have to pull ourselves back a little bit, look at our family from a 30,000 foot view and the atmosphere of our home and say, what are we cultivating? Are we cultivating? And, and how are we then going out into the world and being a light to those around us? Or are we, or do we just look like everybody else, just exhausted right. and busy and fearful? Yeah. And, or are we projecting joy and peace and stability like on earth as it is in heaven? And I know for us, one thing that we do every single night with our kids is we pray the Lord's Prayer and we walk through what does it mean to, to live on earth as it is in heaven and to bring to earth that which is in heaven. And I think as we do that, and we say, all right, Lord, if there's something in our lives, and there's times where we'll review what wasn't what wasn't very heavenly today in our home, <laughs> and how can we how can we do a better job of that? That's how we invite our kids into warring in the supernatural. And the other benefit of that, Josh, is that, and we see this at Bible to School, is you have that calm place, you have the the fruits of the spirit are all there. The whole you invite the Holy Spirit in, and that's the place where they have those great questions you're talking about. Yeah. That, that you can actually talk about and, and grow their faith because you have space to do it in. So, so good. excellent, yeah. excellent answer for that. And I'm really sad because we do have to wrap up now because I could listen to you all day on this. Uh -huh. If you could just choose one thing, what's the best advice you can leave our parents, grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles with today of, as encouragement? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. You know, I think if there's one thing, I'm going to just say the first thing that came to my mind. And I think that one thing would be prioritize who you're becoming as an adult. You can sum up all of parenting research into one primary conclusion, and that's that our kids become who we are. Even Vern Bankston did a 55-year longitudinal study looking at what was the single greatest factor for faith transmission across the generations. He followed families for 55 years. And what he found was that the single greatest factor for faith transmission was parental warmth, especially from a father figure. Wow. And so I would just really encourage, how warm are we? Are we too busy that we're not showing up warm and safe for our kids, present for our kids? 
we need Abba to see us. As our kids are saying, Daddy, see me, Mommy, see me, Mommy, look. We're doing the exact same thing, but we just have to go to God to get that, that see me answered because he does see us. Instead, we're just turning to the world often. And I think the more that we can practice turning to the Father and prioritize who we're becoming, that has a trickle-down effect onto our kids. So pay attention to your own heart. Pay attention to what you need and seek him to answer those needs. Well, Josh, how can our listeners connect with you best? Where can they find your book, Famous at Home? Yeah, if you go to famousathome.com, that's probably the best place to, to find everything from the books to our podcast to um, the ways that you can reach out to us. So yeah, famousathome.com. And the Easter book as well. And the Easter book as well. Yeah, we're super excited about that. So if you're a pastor or a children's minister in your church, you know, take a look at that for, for families as well. We're super excited about that book. Awesome. Well, thank you for all you do to pour into us here. And all of our listeners, I know, appreciate this. All such great stuff, Josh. And would you mind ending us in prayer, covering us in prayer as we ask oh. the Holy Spirit, yeah, guide our journey, guide our journey yeah. so we can be more intentional with the children in our circle of influence. Yeah. Father, I thank you, God, so much for Corey and for everything, God, that you're doing through this incredible ministry. And I pray for every listening ear right now. Father, you know the need of us listening right in this very hour. And so I take a moment right now to, for each of us to share that need aloud with you. God, thank you for seeing us as parents. You yourself, Father, see us as our heavenly Father. Thank you that we are your sons and daughters, that we are heirs, and that you, just as we want to give our children every good gift, how much more do you want to give that to us? And so, Father, for the tired, exhausted parent right now listening for each of us. Give us the strength. Give us the ability to see and enter into our kids' hearts and lives. But may that come from a place of experiencing your love so deeply, so intimately, that we have nothing to do except enter into our children's world and love them the way that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you look at the atmosphere of your home, do you notice a spirit of peace? Or is there a spirit of fear or hustle, exhaustion and anxiety? I love how Josh reminds us there are decisions in the natural that we can make to cultivate a spirit of healing and encouragement. However, when we're busy 24 seven, we're actually inviting spiritual forces into our homes and lives that are not on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, what a great question to bring into our week. What are we cultivating in our household? And what a gift it is to have the tools to pray into the supernatural, to ask the Holy Spirit for an outpouring of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits of the Spirit are already ours. We just need to ask our great counselor for help living them out and then modeling them so our children can see just how to live this life well. Do you find it hard to connect children to Jesus in this fast-paced society? What have you found helpful as you influence Kids for Christ? We would love to hear what has worked in your home or any feedback, really, that you may have from this episode and others. To connect with us in this way, please join our conversation at Bible2School on Instagram and Facebook. So while you may already be famous in your own home, how does this impact your local school or community? Do you want to learn more about getting biblical truth into your public school? Go to our website at www.bible2school.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We'll get this conversation started. 
Well, set your reminders today so you don't forget to come back here Tuesday for Corey's interview with Dallas Jenkins, creator of The Chosen, a multi-season series about the life of Christ. So until then, slow down the pace just a little. And remember, you can tell the children about Jesus.